Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I have a teaching series on keeping the balance. This is a shameless plug, but this will help you. On keeping the balance in the bookstore, pick it up, deals with the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's a 16 CD keeping the balance. And I think the Lord really used that. So if you have any questions about speaking in tongues, the thing that I want you to see this morning is that when the Holy Spirit fell on them in verse 46, they began to speak in tongues and they did what? They magnified God. That's the important thing that you need to hear this morning, that they magnified God, which was proper. You want to notice that when the Holy Spirit fell, and, and they were given this gift of tongues. Did you notice that they didn't give a message in tongues? And they didn't say, thus says the Lord. And they didn't sing a song in tongues. And they didn't prophesy in tongues. They magnified God, which is the proper order and the purpose of tongues is to magnify God. Acts chapter 2. When they spoke in tongues, they heard them glorify God and spoke of the wondrous works of God. Acts chapter 14, Paul said to the one who speaks in an unknown tongue, they're not speaking unto men, but unto God. And then he goes on to say, he who speaks in tongues gives thanks well. Clearly, the gift of tongues is a gift that is directed toward heaven. God would have, listen close, God would have no reason to speak to the church in a language that no one understands. Please, somebody say amen. Amen. And I want to preach on this so bad. (laughs) But I can't. Got to go on. And notice what happened after they spoke in tongues and magnified God. Peter baptized them. Did you notice that? Peter baptized them. They believed and they were baptized. The important thing here is they believed first and then they were baptized. The Bible does not teach baptismal regeneration. What is that, Rodney? Some people teach that when you are baptized, you are saved. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible says that you are saved when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Then you are saved. If you were baptized and you think you're saved, you're not. You were baptized. The only thing that happened is you got wet. (laughs) Say amen, saints. You went down and you came up wet. 
You didn't come up saved because baptism does not save. Remember, baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality. The inward reality is that I've received Christ as my Lord and Savior. The inward reality is that I've taken Christ to be the Lord of my life. I've received him and now I'm born again and I've died to myself and I'm going to now live unto God because I am a Christian. And baptism represents that. The going down in the water represents death to self and the coming up out of the water speaks of the rising unto new life. So baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality, something that's already taken place in the heart. We see that model all the way through scripture as they were, they believed and then they were baptized and Peter baptized them and they wanted Peter to stay with them for a while. Now, listen, chapter 11 is very interesting because Peter has to go back to Jerusalem And they are wondering what in the world is going on. Look at Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Saints, you're still with me? Say amen. Amen. Now the apostles in verse 1, and the brethren who were in Judea, circle this word, heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them? We got to stop there. In the days where there was no email, no snail mail, no cell phones, and no blackberries, by the time, no blackberries. I want a blackberry. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you notice this from the text? By the time Peter gets back to Jerusalem, they already heard what happened. Isn't it true? News travels fast. I'm amazed at how fast news travels in this church. Something happens and I may call somebody and say, hey, well, you know, I need you to pray about this. This is, you know, happened in circumstance in the church. And Oh, Pastor Rodney, I know about that. Really? What would you find out? Oh, we've been knowing about that for four or five days now. Where you been? <laughs> Why is the pastor always the last to know, man? I mean, what's, what's up with that? News travels fast. Same in those days. Notice Peter gets back to Jerusalem. Get this, guys. Peter gets back to Jerusalem, and they are waiting for him. And they see Peter. And, and did you notice they didn't say good morning? They didn't say what's up. You know, they, they didn't say, you know, the kids say now, what's up, dog? Now, what's up with the dog thing? You know, when I was coming up, if you call, I'm from Philly. You call somebody a dog, them there is fighting words. <laughs> Nowadays, dog is a compliment. You know, it's a common greeting. You know, they go, hey, what's up, man? What's up? You know, you got a head, got to go up nowadays. I remember the days when you got to go, hello there, how are you? Nowadays, like, what's up, dog? My, how things change. I'm amazed. And so they see Peter. I mean, they don't say good morning. They don't say hello. They don't say anything. The first thing they say is, I can't believe you went into the house of an uncircumcised man and you ate with them. Now, isn't that just like religious people? They, they don't care. Now, look at this. They don't care that God just used Peter to share Christ with people who had never heard. 
They don't care that people believe. They don't care that people were born again. They don't care that people were filled with the spirit. They don't care that people were speaking in tongues. They don't care that even people were baptized. No, they care that Peter went in the house and ate with Gentiles. Remember, Jews didn't like Gentiles. Jews felt like Gentiles were the lowest of the low. And so they said, I can't believe that you went and ate. Now, in all fairness, let's understand something. The way that we think about food and the way that people in the first century and Jewish people thought about food is totally different. Today, when you know, we think about food, you know, we, we say, hey, let's go over to Wendy's, let's grab a bite to eat, and no big deal. I mean, food for us and eating is kind of sanitary. But when they ate now in the first century, they would gather around a bowl. They might have one big bowl at the center of the table and they would take a, give everybody a piece of pita bread and you take your pita bread and you would just grab what you wanted out of the bowl and you would just eat it and just kind of lick all over your bread and then put it back in the bowl. (laughs) That is gross. It's nasty. I'm sorry. That's nasty. And, 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 and they would, and, and in effect, I mean, gosh, guys, I don't really know how to say this any other way except that they were just kind of sharing saliva. On three, everybody. One, two, three. Ooh. It is. But see, in that culture now, see, when we get together, we don't do that. But in that culture, they understood that, listen to me, when you shared a meal with someone, you were partaking of that person. In other words, when you shared a meal, part of me was going into you and part of you was going into me. So to eat with Gentiles meant that you were becoming one with a Gentile. Now, remember, I told you this. I'm going to tell you quickly. Remember, I told you that God was breaking down the wall of racism in the life of Peter. Remember I told you that brick by brick, God was removing those walls of separatism and prejudice and bigotry and racism. And it all started when Peter went into the house of a tanner. And God said, there goes that brick of racism and separatism. And then we find Peter in the house of Cornelius, a Gentile Roman sergeant. And there goes another brick of racism. And now Peter is in that house with those people, staying with those people. And now he's becoming one with those people. And I honestly think at this point, this is where Peter's racism is gone. Brick by brick by brick. You know, God has a way of dealing with our issues. It ain't only girls that got issues. (laughs) Say amen, ladies. Mm, Y'all said that way too hearty. Y'all like, mm, amen. <laughs> now you preaching, pastor. Mm, you saw, I saw the lady, she's just like, amen. <laughs> and, 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 and God has this way of just kind of taking down those walls that, that, that we build up. He doesn't build them up, we build them up. And God has been taking down those walls. And now I think Peter has gotten to the place when he wrote in Second Peter when he says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I think Peter is at that point where those walls of racism are gone. And now he's grown in the grace and the knowledge. And God's kind of done dealing with Peter because we don't see much of Peter after chapter 11 anymore. But God's been taking down those walls. And now Peter's free. Now Peter is free from the law. 
Peter is free from the law. He's probably like, hey, um, you guys, well, he's in Gentile house. You guys got any of that, that bacon stuff? <laughs> Peter's like, you know, I've been hearing about that bacon, and I, I'd really like to have a piece of bacon. I mean, as a Jew, I could never eat no bacon, but bacon, I've heard so much about it. Would somebody fry up some bacon? And they probably said, coming right up. He's free now. You know, that's the one thing I love about Calvary Chapel in this church. We are free. Amen, saints? Free to love God. That's why I love that song, Michelle. Free. Just free to love God. Free to be blessed. Free. Just free. It's wonderful to be free. We, you know what? This church is so free, I got to tell you this. Some people have accused our church of being a cult. I kid you not. I mean, it all started back in the trailer. Some of you guys remember we were in this trailer and, 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 and you know, we were, you know, behind some trees and, and on a dirt road. And it was, and it was completely fenced in. And, and, and oh, okay, fine, we did look like a cult back then, but okay, fine. But then we moved to the gas station church. We had all these titles, you know, the gas station church. We affectionately called the trailer. Now we moved to the gas station church, and you guys are next to a gas station. And we had so many people coming. We even had the bus people, like we used the Food Lion parking lot. If you know that area, we used to use the Food Lion parking lot. And, and, and you had, we had a ministry where people would use their van to shuttle people from the gas station over to the Food Lion parking lot. And it was so funny because at the end of service, you could hear people saying, Okay, now the bus is leaving. Bus is leaving. People are scurrying out to get in the minivan to get across the street. It was like a ministry. And then we moved here. And, of course, you know, I mean, gosh, you, you guys must be a cult. I mean, you can't be a real church. Where's the steeple? Where's the stained glass windows? I mean, you guys can't be a real church. I mean, a real church. I mean, you've got a nightclub up front. Liquor bottles on the counter. I mean, you guys must be, I mean, people, have, you know, and then they come in and they hear the music and then they go, oh, that's not church music. Where are the hymns? Swing low. Sweet chariot. You know, it's like, where's the hymns, you know? And then people come in and they'll say, you know, well, you guys must be a cult. I mean, you actually enjoy church. Oh, you got to be a cult. You like church? I mean, you can't like church. You can't enjoy. Some people don't think that you can enjoy church. I mean, honestly, many people have said to me, I am amazed at how much fun church is. I'm like, There's, I never enjoyed church, they tell me, all my life. I never enjoyed it. And they come here and they go, you guys actually are smiling and clapping your hands. I'm like, yeah, we really like being in the house of the Lord. Amen, saints? We love being together. But you got to be a cult. I mean, you can't be free. You got to be a cult. I mean, how is it that you got so many multicultural people in the same building? I mean, after all, you're in the South. <laughs> Don't you know that's not the way we do things around here? I mean, you guys must be a cult. Oh, you must be a cult. I mean, you've got a cafe up front, and you have, you're serving caffeine at church. I don't know about you, but I thank God for caffeine. <laughs> Somebody need to worship. I thank God for caffeine. <laughs> Any fill of caffeine lovers, I mean, give me a little. Okay. Some of y'all ain't telling the truth, but that's okay. 
You know, they're waiting on the Holy Spirit. They're waiting on the Holy Spirit, and there's a freedom. And you know what? Some of those same people who are saying, you know, this church is a cult or whatever, some of those same people, when they come in the church after a while, they hear the teaching of the Word, they see people bringing their Bibles, they see young people and all people in this one room holding hands and singing to the Lord, and they listen to the worship songs, and they start to see, you know what? God is in this place. They start to get it. It's a little shocking at first, I realize that. Hey, when I walked into Calvary Chapel the first time, it was shocking to me. It was even more shocking because I was out in Southern California and folks was in church with flip-flop shorts and T-shirts. Now, you want to talk about thinking something's a cult? That would classify to me. They're flipping around the church. They're like, I'm like, what is this? And of course, I have on a full suit. And they come up to me and ask me, I must be a visitor. I said, well... How do you know? <laughs> so they're waiting on the Holy Spirit. They're waiting in Jerusalem because they heard that the Gentiles had received the word. Now look, in verse 4 through 17, we're going to read right through it. Peter begins to give them the story. He begins to rehearse it exactly as it happened. And I can imagine Peter probably still has bacon on his breath. And he rehearsed. <laughs> he re- <laughs> rehearsed the story. Look at verse four. You there, but Peter explained it to them in order, in order from the beginning, saying, "I was in the city of Joppa. This is what happened, guys. And I was praying. I was in a trance, and I saw a vision, and an object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners. And it came to me when I observed it intently and considered. I saw four-footed." animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And then I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But this is what happened. I know what happened, Peter says. The voice answered me again from heaven and said, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. And this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And at that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. And then the Spirit told me to go with them, and doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren, Jewish brethren, accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel in his house, and, and who said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which... You and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, this is what happened, guys. The Holy Spirit fell on them and upon us at the beginning. And then I remember the words. That's what I thought of when the Holy Spirit fell, he said. How Jesus had said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore, in verse 17, God gave them the same gift As he gave us, talking about the Holy Spirit, same in quality and quantity and measure. The same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus, Peter said, then who was I that I could withstand God? And when they heard these things, they said, oy vey. (laughs) Oh, no, that's not in there. I'm sorry. That's That's not in there. What happened? They became silent. Well, they're Jews. They became silent and they glorified God saying, then God has also granted to Gentiles repentance to life. Now listen, verse 18 sets the stage for the door of the gospel to go to the world. 
Verse 18 sets the stage as to why we are here this morning. As all Gentile believers, see, in that culture, there were two groups of people. There were Jews and Gentiles, and, and we're all Gentiles, not unless you're here and you're a Jew, but, but we're all Gentiles. And the reason we're here is because of verse 18. Notice, then they concluded that God has granted to the Gentiles for all eternity repentance to life. Now, in verse 19, those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and some were from Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, they spoke to the Hellenists preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. See, news travels fast. And they sent out Barney. That's his nickname. Barnabas. To go as far as Antioch. And when Barnabas, look at verse 23, I love it. And when he came, he had seen the grace of God. And he was glad. And he encouraged them all that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. For Barnabas was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Doesn't that sound like a tombstone epitaph? It really does. What would they write on your tombstone? For Barnabas, he was a good man. You know, here lies a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. And then Barnabas departed from Tarsus to seek out, search out Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so it was that from, for a whole year, they assembled with the church and they taught. You see that? That will be the word. A great many people. And the disciples were first called what saints? Christians. Where? In Antioch. Antioch, I'll tell you quickly as I wrap it up. Antioch is a very evil, was a very evil, idolatrous, kind of the city that never sleeps, in the pursuit of pleasure, sexually immoral, base, all kinds of sexual practices went on in Antioch. Thousands of temple prostitutes in the area of Antioch. And don't you find it interesting that it's in this backdrop, in this very dark backdrop of Antioch, that Jesus Christ would desire to bring the light of the gospel to this city. And as a matter of fact, these, anti, these people at Antioch became, uh, this church became a very powerful and effectively used church throughout church history. And many, many, many foreign missionaries would go out from this church in Antioch. It's also the place, the city of Antioch, where people were first called Christians. Now, you want to understand something. The unbelievers called them Christians. They did not call themselves Christians. They called themselves believers. They called themselves brethren, the brother, sister, family, believers, but they did not call themselves Christians. The title Christian came from unbelievers. The word Christian, by the way, if you're taking notes, you write this down. The ending in Christian, I-A-N, the ending meant the party of. So what we have is Christians. 
or the party of Christ, the party of Jesus. Christian, it's like saying Jesusite or Jesus people, or you might even say little Christ. Because we carry his name. Unbelievers gave us that name. It wasn't a derogatory name, by the way. Like when the people used to say those, those, they're of the way. Remember we talked about that? The way. That was derogatory. But here, Christians, it was an honor to be called a Christian. The unbelievers said, look at those people acting like the party of Christ. Isn't that interesting? George Fox stood before Justice Bennett and bid him to tremble at the word of the Lord. And thus Justice Bennett called Fox and his followers Quakers. Did you know? The Methodists were named because of their systematic method and pursuit of holiness. And they called them Methodists. Alexander the Great once learned that in his army there was a, was a, was a namesake, another Alexander, who was a notorious coward. And Alexander the Great, who conquered the world at age 33, called the soldier before him and said, Is your name Alexander the Great? And are you named for me? Well, the trembling coward said, Yes, sir. My name is Alexander the Great, and I was named after you. And Alexander said, Then either be brave or change your name. Saints, be a Christian or change your name. Because Having the name of Christ is an honor. Being a Christian is the most glorious thing on the earth. And don't you let anybody tell you anything different. I'm happy to be a Christian. I love being a Christian. I love coming to church. And I love worshiping the Lord. And I love to be with you guys. Because we're all Christians, Christians, Jesus people, little Christ. Jesus freaks. I don't mind being called a Jesus freak. I've been called a lot of other things. We'll leave that alone. We'll leave that alone. But Jesus freak, I take that name. Amen, saints. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.